Oh, this week on a special edition of Death Metal Dicks. Gonna dig deep into the uh, life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and prove once and for all that this man is a piece of shit. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I knew. Uh, uh, just fucking around. Uh, we really are gonna do Dr. Martin Luther King, but the uh, conspiracy for his death, I think it's overshadowed by JFK a lot. Yeah. Dude, this is one of the most fucked up government cover-ups that I've ever laid eyes upon. And it's like pretty pretty well documented in plain sight. Uh, I took... The le- the angle of research I took is a uh, pretty kooky conspiracy theory. But the more I read about it, the more... It's this dude, uh, this human rights lawyer named William Pepper. He wrote three books about it. And, uh, well, one of the books is just completely about the Dixie Mafia. who We're not going to do the whole, like... A full rundown of them, but we'll get into a little bit of what they are and how they were involved with the government and killing Martin Luther King. So, yeah, dude, I mean, this is murky fucking waters. I don't even know that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because you don't ask or pay attention or try or really even give a shit, but here I am. Oh, yeah. Well, chugging away. But, yeah, now the. Um, and I say, uh, by the way. And what's funny, too, is a lot of people try to. Like, I guess I don't even. I've heard it from people that aren't racist pieces of shits completely, but they was like I've I've heard older people before when I was younger talk about how Martin Luther King was kind of a piece of shit, I don't like know. he like he fucked other women. It's like, dude, honest, the real truth is, if you weren't sucking Doctor King's dick, you're a bad person. Yeah, like all the hard work he was doing trying to set shit right. Yeah, man, you have to suck his dick. Got Who are to. you to say no? Yeah, even if that was true. I don't see how you can... <laughs> I think I heard a shot. <laughs> they started trying to assassinate you. You were like one of those. Ricochet. Yeah, but that's it. This week, uh, if we were, if I was smart enough, we would have done it last week so it coincided with the holiday. But no, we're dumb as shit, so we'll do it this week. It's Dr. Damn. Martin Luther King Jr. This week on Death Metal. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, no reason to go through what Dr. King did. I think everybody knows. It's Bernie Sanders rode along with him. Did, did you know that shit? Yeah. So I did fucking Selma March just out there in the streets riding for Martin Luther King. And I have heard several times, including from Killer Mike, that basically what Bernie, and I'm not telling you to vote. I don't, give, I don't know enough about politics. I also don't give a shit. But I do know that, first of all, there I was. I was sucking Dr. Martin Luther King's penis in the streets of Memphis, Tennessee when they blew his head off. Moments before, he blew my head off. Dr. Martin Luther King had a very powerful shot when it came to moving sperm from the inside of his body to the outside of his body. It's far time that the American people knew about how good the penis of Dr. Martin Luther King actually was. But uh, Dude, he was fucking... Uh, Bernie was around. And I, I, a killer Mike quote that I heard that I was like, damn, that's pretty wild, is that uh, Bernie Sanders is basically trying to continue Dr. Martin Luther King's policies. So if I went ideas about how to run the government, so if I wasn't smart enough to know about, I'm not smart enough to know about everything that uh, old MLK Jr. preached and believed in outside of civil rights. But I I do know if you're hip with Bernie Sanders, I mean he wasn't he he wasn't completely racially motivated. He wanted everybody to prosper. He wanted everyone to have health care. He wanted everyone to have free education. And this is back in the '60s, some old school shit. You know what I'm saying? So salute to Dr. King. 
I mean, I feel like I was just sucking them off by giving that rundown. But you just touched my penis. So that's I mean, okay. No, no, that, that was your cell phone. <laughs> if your dick's a hard square, then <laughs> I mean, more power to you. That's probably a blasted box. It's off drugs. You got man. a square peg round hole, dude. <laughs> then <laughs> you pound it away. But my man, you know, everyone knows he was fucking assassinated. Just, I think a lot of people do know how. But there's been not only the normal amount of cover up when that goes like the JFK assassination. No one really knows. Yeah, there's so many theories and some good ideas on, like, okay, this is exactly how JFK died. This is why JFK died. Martin Luther King, we pretty much know why he died. But the how of it has been covered up, I think, way more when the answers are, are more in plain sight. I don't think it was quite as deep government operations. I think it was way more out in the open, easy to figure out. And I think this guy, William Pepper, pretty much has it figured out. He's not the only one. In fact, in 2019, which is last year, uh, the fucking uh, state of Tennessee said that the federal government was culpable in the murder of, of Martin Luther King Jr. So, And that I never saw reported. And the only thing I was wondering before anyone freaks out is like, you're so stupid. The only thing I was wondering, I, I know for a fact the lawsuit happened, and I know for a fact that that was the quote-unquote verdict. I just don't know what the implications of that were. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the family... And the state were essentially suing the federal government in the name of, like, the King family. And it came back that the government was culpable. What does that mean exactly? I'm not fucking sure. It sounds like it's their fault to me. But yeah. I'm dumb. So if I got that wrong, that's fine. But it still blew me away because... Blown away because I didn't hear shit about it. Did you hear shit about it? I didn't hear a goddamn thing about it. No. And that, I mean, that's, there's been trial. There's been lawsuits and trials going off and on. Since the time he died, and then especially kicked back up in the nineties. Anyway, I'm just setting the scene because we all know that they, that he got assassinated. I think we all pretty much know when a prominent figure gets assassinated, that's a threat to the government. Yeah, there's some shit that's going to foul. Well, this time period, there's a lot, a lot of people getting assassinated. So yeah. it was, you know, you JFK, um, you had Malcolm X, John Lennon. I mean, like all these people are well, talking John about. John Lennon deserved to die. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I don't or did he? Did he only beat up Yoko, or did he beat up his whole family? I don't know if he did. He did he beat anybody up? He beat Yoko's ass for sure. Well, I mean, but that. But here's what I'm saying, dude. Imagine it's four o'clock in the morning. You've been on one for a few days, and you yeah. just hear a story. What the Come for the back. You gotta put hands on her. What else are you supposed to do? I'm sure you asked her to be quiet. She can't. This is my Vietnam. (laughs) Gotta fucking stop that bitch. (laughs) It's the only way there is. I fucking got a hard car in that skank. Yeah, no, assassinations were a hot topic, and a lot of people think that the government was involved. And you know what? It's weird that the same type of individuals that got fingered in all these crimes are the same type of individuals that do mass shootings today. Yeah. They're all on the fringes. They're all unbalanced. They're all on medications. I mean, really, the cycle continues. Now, I'm not trying to go deep into conspiracy territory and say that the government plants every single one of these mass shooters and assassins. However, in the case of Dr. Martin Luther King, I wish I could do it for an hour. It would make this rock so much more. He does it for three. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, I, if I could just do it for this whole podcast... It'd be crucial, it would but be. I can't. That's just what his voice sounds like. Though. Crucial. It, doesn't, it hurts me. <laughs> it hurts me. I spit on you. That rocks. Uh, yeah, so Pepper kind of pieced together. He was murdered on April 4th, 1968, Memphis, Tennessee. 
Uh, he can he can figure who gave the order to kill him, who supplied the money to give him, and how they picked the Patsy. And we'll get into all that. Uh, the Patsy is James Earl Ray, kind of a lone gunman. He was racist, not tied to any organization allegedly. Just your fucking old school lone wolf, lost their mind white murderer. Kind of the not the original, but that's who was out there sniping people, Man. and that's who's doing mass shootings now. It does become one of those things that makes you go, hmm. Is it the same song? I don't know. I don't even know what the fuck song that is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Now, again, mainstream media should... This seems like it would be way more relevant. When Geraldo Rivera was digging up all those stupid fucking facts about everything, Yeah. why, why, why did he not pull up an MLK one? I don't know. Seems like people know... It seems like a more dangerous subject. So if we get picked off... Over this, just know we went out for a good cause, finally. Pick me off. <laughs> yeah, pick me the fuck off. Damn, my grandma freaking out earlier just made me realize that you have got... Everyone needs a private reserve of enough heroin to kill you. For the Kurt Cobain podcast that we did, where they said that he had enough heroin to kill like 25 men in his body, there was no way he could have done or felt anything before he died. And then seeing my grandma, how she is right now with dementia and just losing it all the time. You got to keep a fucking, you got to keep some on hand. Keep some on hand. In case hand. anything ever goes awry, you just got to do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to go, brother. That's what I need. So anyone listening right now, if you ever catch me in a state of fucking have you ever been, dementia, no, you got to blast me off. I already know the answer. Never mind. I was going to say, have you ever been fucking sick from opiates before? Yes. Yeah, that's the worst. Yes, it is. But I don't want to be sick. I want to be gone. Get zanned. Yeah, so check this shit out. So <laughs> I'm trying, dude. It's so hard to stay on topic. I know we got into like a rhythm of doing this podcast where it's like read four lines, riff on it. Do fucking half a story, riff on it. But I'm trying. I want to stick to the script on this shit. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. So Ray took the fall for the shot. It was a member of the Memphis Police Department that took the fatal shot. Two military sniper teams were that were part of the 902nd Military Intelligence Group were sent to Memphis as backup should the local primary shooter fail his shots. There's also a fascinating account of a conversation in this with Colonel John Dowry, who is a man in charge of the military part of the plot, and Lyndon Johnson's former Vietnam briefer. Lyndon Johnson, of course, is the guy that basically... Stuck us in the Vietnam War as president, and uh, there's plenty of conspiracies that circle around that as to why. But Martin Luther King was a very famous fucking Vietnam exit threat. He wanted us out of Vietnam. Yeah. War protester, I guess you would say. Which is part of the reason that he he popped up on radar. Not just civil rights, but he was anti-war. He was a pacifist, and uh, he just had such an uncanny ability to organize people. He was a legitimate threat. To the shadow government. Mm-mm-mm. He got shadow band. Yo, dude, he got the <laughs> he got the original shadow band. Now, no one will click on my social media ever again, but at least I didn't get fucking... Nobody clicked on my, the end of my social media, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Man, what would you, what do you, what would you want to be shot with? What would I want to be shot with? Yeah. Probably like a 50 caliber, dude. Yeah, just blow a plum off, man. Yeah, so I mean... Everything else is too risky. Like, I don't want to yeah. feel anything. I want my face to be fucking eviscerated. So that you have no, you know, consciousness. I want to get caved in. Yeah. 
I mean, you just don't want to have any thought or feeling about it. You want your brain to be vaporized. Yeah. <laughs> what else would you want, you know? I, Sit there and suffer? I'll take a baseball bat. Cave me in smooth. <laughs> no, you don't want that, dude. <laughs> just, man, just get old whack first, you know, if you take me out. <laughs> Or a sledgehammer. All right, well, let's start off with one of the craziest things that... Uh, Man, that beer is powerful. I can smell it. Yeah. Let's get into one of the craziest things that Pepper alleges in his... This is from one of his books. This one's called Plot to Kill the King, which uh, a bestseller. I didn't read the whole thing, but when I went through the cliff notes and then some of the... Uh, like this fucking little snippet of it. I mean, dude, it, it's like all these things. Is a, It's a guy who is a well-respected person, doesn't have really that much to gain. He's already rich, so like these books aren't going to change his life. The dude's already got a successful career as a lawyer, already stopped practicing law for money. They're basically, he's doing it pro bono for civil, civil rights, and he's set for life. He's, he's not the type of guy that's trying to get more. So he just wants answers. He wants to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> I hope that was the bottom of it, man. I don't want nothing more of that custard-ass fucking milk fart. Fuck, man. What you had today? Oh, God. It smells like buttermilk and fucking potatoes. It's left out in the fucking hot goddamn sun and froze and then put out. Oh, oh dude. I, so, I know someone's going to get so mad. Like, they're talking about the life and death of Martin Luther King Jr. and farting. That wasn't just a fart, though, man. That's the shit you do before you die, man. I can't believe how loud that was. Surely that, came, surely that got on microphone. But, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that, friends. It sounded like a brass man. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to brass tacks, <laughs> Chris rips it. Man, damn. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, so like you know, the guys doing interviews. In an interview, it's a it's a secondhand account. Like the guy, I mean, secondhand in that he wrote it down in a book. So he talked to the person who was a witness of it. Only supposedly two witnesses to the whole thing, uh, to this part of it, and then he spoke to both of them. And so basically, it's up to you and him whether you believe the person or not. Now, he, Pepper believed him enough to risk his entire reputation on writing this book. And to me, when the guy has a solid career, that holds a lot of weight. Because again, it's up to you. It's like, here's this conspiracy, right? Who's telling you? Is it David Icke? Because if it is, I'm going to have a real hard time listening to it. Because yeah. he's trying to tell me that the fucking black Saturn is up there with the Anunnaki behind, and behind it is the planet Nibiru and they're just trying to leech off of our positive energy. That's going to be hard to listen to. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if he's supposedly spoken to a reptilian and he's going to relay the information to save the human race, I, I'm going to have trouble with that one. However, Ooh. however, if, if this guy is putting his whole reputation, great reputation on the line to tell us about this, it seems to me like he really is just trying to get the fucking light shed on the subject. And so that's what we're doing. And I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I, I w- There's no way we could fucking know. No. I just say I, I put enough stock into this to, you know, re- report it on my fucking podcast that's called Death Metal Dicks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a revelation uh, where how Martin Luther King Jr. actually fucking died. So supposedly 
this is a guy named Johnson Shelby that first told the story. His mother, Lula Maid Shelby, was a surgical aide at St. Joseph's Hospital. Shelby relayed the story to Pepper, and then Pepper reviewed the, interviewed them both for the fucking book. And uh, she, his mom came home, and he talked to Lula May, who was kind of too old at the time to be reliable, but the son corroborated. And, and again, this is a woman with a stellar reputation. And she, the first thing that she said to Pepper was still, I just can't believe that they took his life. And the scene she described, the chief of surgery at the hospital Dr. Martin Luther King was taken to Dr. Breen Bland entered the emergency room with two men in suits. There was doctors working on King. Bland, who was, again, the chief of surgery, so he's in charge of the hospital, said, stop working on the boop and let him die. Now, all of you get out of here right now. Everybody out. Damn. Yeah, she described hearing the sound of three men sucking up saliva in their mouth and then spitting. So Mm. three people spitting on Dr. King. And then she said that she looked over her shoulder as she was leaving the room, saw that the breathing tube had been removed from King, and saw Bland, not the guys in suit, but the chief surgeon of the hospital, holding a pillow over Dr. Martin Luther King's face. Damn. Yeah. This is wild. Very wild. So that basically implicates, again, now there were, for sure, military teams that had been sent to, to Memphis. Now, it could be that they were there keeping an eye on things for civil unrest, or it could be there that they were making 100% sure that the local police in Memphis, Tennessee, that were probably bumbling fucking idiots, didn't completely blow killing Martin Luther King. And if that's the case, that could have definitely been who fucking showed up. Now, another source that helped out with this was Ron Atkins. His father, Russell Atkins Sr., was a Dixie Mafia gangster and conspirator in planning the assassination, even though he died a year before the assassination took place. So this is third hand. Ron, the son, told Pepper he overheard Bland, who was his family doctor, tell his father that if King did not survive the shooting, he had to be taken to St. Joseph's and nowhere else. So he'd said that he remembers Breen Bland saying to his father... If he's not killed by the shot, just make sure he gets sent to St. Joseph's Hospital. We'll make sure that he doesn't leave. The kid was 16 when it took place. That's something that you would fucking take notice of if you heard it. And again, Pepper says that he found him credible enough to put his reputation on the line. So I'll fucking take it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's already getting down to some really crazy shit. Well, that's two independent... That's two independent kind of validations of the same event. Yeah. And that that's what really started to blow me away about this, is that if he was taken to St. Joseph's Hospital in an attempt to save his life, and then he was still alive, and somebody smothered him to death there, and also... I, I don't know I don't know how hard it is to just pull up a famous person's, like, autopsy <laughs> or cause of death on the internet. You can do it. I that's tried, but I sure couldn't find it for this. Too bad. Wanted to see his peace. <laughs> Did he know he was swinging heat? He cared too much. He had yeah. too much empathy, dude. You got a lot of empathy like that, you're yeah. swinging. You got a hammer. Got a ham. Got a hammer, dude. Generosity comes out in the form of a big old fucking peace. Thanks. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just only when it gets big. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, something weird about having a small in the clothes, but when it knows, it goes. I know, man. It gets the smell of trouble, and it's like, man. <laughs> Phew. Speaking of smelly trouble, <laughs> retried that ass thing that you always talk about with the finger in the ass. Oh, yeah. My wife got locked in there, man. I almost had to call locksmiths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, God damn it. You got to figure out the technique. You got to relax, too, dude. You freaking out. I tried, man. Nah. I got drunk. That doesn't help. I laid down. <laughs> that, yeah, those are the steps you took. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, just, first of all, you got to take up. like a hot bath, dude. Standing up. You got to take a hot bath. Yeah, man. You got to relax that hole. I told you about it. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't want We just hold on, dude. Let's not. Let's not. Let's let's respect the memory of Dr. Martin Luther King and not talk about your big, gross fucking ass getting finger banged. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not your (laughs) big, gross ass. I'm not gross, dude. I'm beautiful. And the entire world knows it. So save it. I guess you're taking. You got a bath bomb? No. (laughs) Bath bomb? (laughs) Epsom salts. Now we get done done with this shit. I need you to break down these steps on the podcast. Okay, man. Why don't you fuck leave me alone and stay out of my life? By the way, that thing your kid found was a strap-on. It wasn't a strap-on. It was a fucking extender. It was a strap-on, dude. Is it hollow? Yeah. Extender. Well, that's not <laughs> what it gets used for. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks. I, it does suck. Like, it's not... Uh, the fucking people at the sex shop are idiots. Like, I, can you stop drawing me? I'm trying to tell you about Martin Luther King. Stop drawing me into things... If you want to talk about weird fuck stuff, we could do it afterwards. Or we could do another podcast, put it on Patreon. You ever think okay, about okay, that, you okay. fucking moron? Okay, fine. Fuck. Do you know how to get your ass fingered to become a patron? We're going to sort that out soon. All I right. promise. All right. Uh, yeah, so the mainstream source, uh, like I was saying earlier, just to circle back around, they point out James Earl Ray as the murderer. It's just, just, just like Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, just your fucking loner. He's, our, he's involved in... The Dixie Mafia, loosely, he's he's got ties to local police. He's got ties to the government. And he was set up to take the fall for the assassination with the American deep state. Pepper's not the only person that's 100% convinced. And furthermore, Pepper blames it directly on Lyndon Johnson. He says that he thinks Lyndon Johnson knew about this shit. Uh, the official story of the shooting is that at 5.50 p.m. on April 4th, Kyle's knocked on the door of room 306 of Lorraine Motel to let King and the rest of his party know that they were running late for a planned dinner at Kyle's home. Kyle's then walked about 60 feet down the balcony where he remained even after King came out of the room about 6 p.m. And what Kyle would maintain in the story is that he spent the last half hour in the room, even though that's been proven otherwise. And I did read a hilarious story about uh and, and it also in 2018 the the guy that made him stay in memphis that was he was a uh, he was the photographer his name will come up here in a minute in this story but the photographer that was following him around like several march kind of documenting his shit he was a fucking fbi informant he he photographed all types of shit in the 60s that were like pr- protest type events yeah but he was traveling with martin luther king and he worked for like Time Magazine. He was also he was a freelancer, so he probably worked for everybody. But he was a fucking FBI informant on his fucking deathbed. He told his daughter, "I'm the reason Dr. Martin Luther King got shot." Damn. Like plant, like planned on. Okay, so that yeah, that's the official story. Um, and and Kyle's was sitting there. So you, as soon as he walks out on the balcony, you have Andrew Young to the left, others on the balcony of the Lorraine. 
pointing to where they heard the shot come from as Martin Luther King lies at their feet. Famous picture. Uh, again, this guy is photographing. I guess that's Kyle's. He's photographing the entire event as it takes place, which makes sense. I mean, he's supposed to be there documenting Martin Luther King's life. Huh. Supposedly right before that, Dr. Martin Luther King had started a pillow fight with everybody. Oh, <laughs> man, uh, what a playful man. Yeah, I was thinking, like, that sounds ridiculous, but did you got, I, I it was like, and it was the fucking 60s. Like, what else are you going to do, you know? Pillow In- fights for fun. Instant message somebody. Are they? Oh, yeah. When was the last time you got into a pillow fight with adults? Oh, with adults? Yeah, that's, what was, that's all adults. Yeah, no. No, never done that. We can do it after. No. Members of... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and there was also members of a black militant organizing group that were kind of like a private security there uh, for for Martin to, to watch over him and shit. They were called the invaders. They were staying at the motel because of the visit. They were told right before the shooting happened by a member of the motel staff that their rooms would no longer be being paid for by the SCLC, which is the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which was who basically that's that's Jesse Jackson's group that was kind of paying to keep Martin Luther King safe. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he was going on all the marches with Martin Luther King. They asked the hotel this, who gave the order, and they were told it was Jesse Jackson. Now, at the time of the shooting, Jesse was in the fucking swimming pool. Ron Atkins identified Jesse Jackson as the person who called the owners of the Lorraine Motel and demanded that King be moved from a more secure inner courtyard room to an exposed room on the second floor facing the street. Think about that. Yep. Setting it up. This is around the same time the Bay of Pigs was going on. Was, I don't know if you ever read anything about that, but it's like a government thing where they were training uh, operatives in New Orleans for uh, basically like uh, involvement in coming into America and taking shit over and just causing a bunch of distress. Saying that also, Cuba, blaming it on Cuba. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then also, like, in that, it also talked about taking out political leaders and assassination attempts and shit like that, so. Well, this certainly fucking happens. Now, at the, the police department, Memphis Police Department, usually formed a detail of black officers to protect Martin Luther King when he was in town, but did not this time, which is fucked up to me. Because I don't. it wasn't to the point, I mean, we're talking about the 60s. So it's not like they had a segregated police force. And it's also not like they were like, because if you know anything about Martin Luther King, he would not have felt more comfortable with white or black officers. Yeah. It's that they're saying, all right, if you want to keep him, if you want to take a bullet for this motherfucker, then go. Yeah. You know, that's like, it's like a slap in the fucking face, in my opinion, a real shitty way of policing because they're, they just sent all the black police officers again because they're like, all right, you want to, you're part of this and you're the ones who are going to die for it. Damn. Emergency tax support units were pulled back from the Lorraine Motel to the fire station, which overlooked the motel. When Pepper was investigating all this, again, that's who's telling this. He learned that only two black members of the, the only two black members of the Memphis Fire Department had been told the day before the shooting not to report for work the next day at the fire station. And detective, black detective Ed Reddit was told an hour before the shooting to stay home because a threat had been made on his life, which wouldn't have been unusual, but considering the way that the time came up. And if you're if you're him, if you're Reddit, the black detective, and you you this happens after that, you know exactly why that happened. Yeah, that, I don't know. All this it 
all, all this shit sounds like a uh, straight up. I mean, it's a coup, basically. It was fucking. Yeah, they yeah. wanted him dead. They're fucking setting it all up to Got make it all to kill. Yeah, and then here's all the pieces of it, and he, you know, people that you would think. Like Jesse Jackson, I mean, and this isn't the first time I've heard that Jesse Jackson was was irresponsible for having him move to the Street View. Yeah, that he was an agent and getting it all set up. People say that all the time. In fact, I think someone told his ass that on Larry King Live one time. Oh, <laughs> he fucking man. freaked out. Uh, so, uh, just about a minute after King had exited his room to go to this dinner, a single shot was fired, and the bullet ripped through his jaw and spinal cord, which dropped him immediately. And the shot appeared to come from across Mulberry Street. King was rushed to the hospital and then pronounced dead just after 7 p.m., which was an hour later. According to the official story, the shot was fired by Ray from the bathroom of a rooming house above the bar called Jim's Grill, which backed onto Mulberry and faced onto South Main Street. But as this investigation proves, the shot actually came from the bushes Located in between the rooming house and the street. In fact, the only witness who placed Ray at the scene was a falling down drunk named Charles Stevens, who later did not recognize Ray in a photograph, and who cab driver James McCraw had refused to transport a short time before because he was too intoxicated. Shit. Really easy to debiss his account. Shit, you know. Too, yeah, I mean, so. you just need you need to find somebody who you can say, yeah, I did see it, and that would be easy to do if they're fucking hammered. Like, hey, man, we'll give you five hundred bucks if you say you saw this guy do it. Yeah. Now the bushes that concealed the shooter were conveniently trimmed the day after the shooting, which is a classic fucking telltale sign. Every time you've ever fucking watched forensic files, the the car got cleaned the next day, the house was being cleaned the next day. There's always something that got that was Im- implicated in being a part of the problem that got taken care of the next day. That's always the fucking clue you're looking for. There's some fucking seen a motherfucker in a trench coat going, and then conveniently the very next day the hedges were trimmed. Which if you if the fucking most one of the most famous people in America got shot there, you're not trimming a fucking bush the next day. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. Giving, that gave a false impression that the shooter could not have been concealed there because it looked like the hedge was short. But several witnesses, including journalists, well-respected journalists, Earl Caldwell and King Memphis's driver, Solomon Jones, described seeing the shot come from the bushes and not the bathroom of the rooming house, as the official story would state. Another casualty of the King murder was cab driver... Buddy Butler, man, <laughs> who reported that he saw a man running from the scene right after the shot, going south on Mulberry Street and jumping into a police car. This would turn out to be MPD Lieutenant Earl Clark. Butler reported to the dis- to his dispatcher and later to a fellow cab driver named Louis Ward that Butler had been the guy. He was interviewed at the Yellow Cab Company later that evening by police. He told him exactly what he told us. Ward was told the next day that Butler had either fallen or been pushed to his death from a speeding car on the Memphis, Arkansas bridge. RIP buddy Butler, man. How's that happen? Oh, we got an interview with cops. Damn. Man, you can't Somebody do that. Somebody different must have just pushed his ass off the Memphis bridge. Yeah. And if you've ever been from Arkansas to Memphis, you know the bridge we're talking about. Right yeah. by the great Sphinx of Bass Pro. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> the police are pyramids. And that's where the fucking ancient secrets are at. Why do you talk so quiet? Why are you so loud in real life? I'm not, man. Yes, you are. I'm sick. Are you always sick? Yep. Yes, I see. <laughs> yeah, because you got that leather jacket, man. You are always sick. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, set the mood for whatever bedroom this is going to be. Well, see, this to. is a podcast, and people put it into their headphones and listen to the words, and it, uh-huh. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to set a, sh- I'm going to set up a conspiracy to where you get shot. The owner of very Jim's- Italian. <laughs> <laughs> the owner of Jim's Grill, Lloyd Jowers, would later admit to being part of the conspiracy to kill King, and he would be found responsible, along with very other various government agencies, for the killing in a 1999 civil lawsuit. That's the ingredient that I was missing by the King family, who were represented by, you guessed it, Pepper. Good man there. Yep. But again, this was, I do not remember hearing about this in the fucking news. No, man. Just last year. This is new shit. This is new to me. I, I kind of thought there was a conspiracy just because it all kind of lines up with all these other assassinations, but I didn't know, you know, about the whole like smothering shit in the fucking hospital. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah, I didn't know about it either, man. Honestly, I saw a, uh, what made me look up into it. <laughs> well, the reason that I looked up into it was that uh, on Monday, yesterday, Martin Luther King Day, somebody made a post about how. Like some of the conspiratorial things, some that I knew, and it was like, they he didn't die from the gunshot, they smothered him in the hospital, but y'all don't want to talk about that. Hell yeah. And I was like, is that true? I gave it a look, see, and sure, goddamn enough. Damn. Now again, not a proven fact, of course, as all conspiracy theories are, but I mean, we're talking about a guy who represented the King family in their civil lawsuit and won. So it's not just some shitbox Alex Jones type being like, They've gone to the Bohemian Grove and ex up Moloch, who came down from the sky and worked with the evil reptilian satanic pedophile overlords to kill Martin Luther King, the last good man. Oh, Even Alex Jones thinks Martin Luther King's a great guy. Well, I'm sitting here thinking, man, like, maybe it's just a ploy to get jacked off, you know? Who? Pepper Jack. You stupid fucking idiot! Shut up. Betty Spades, a waitress from Jim's Grill, <laughs> and uh, he was she was the girlfriend of Jowers. She says she saw him rush to the back of the grill, from the back of the grill to the back door seconds after the shot. Why does a ghost and holding a rifle, which he then wrapped in a tablecloth and hid on a shelf under the counter? He turned to her and said, "Betty, you wouldn't do anything to hurt me, would you?" And she said, "Of course not, Lloyd." Spades who didn't come forward until the 1990s, which was way fucking long enough ago, also recounted that Jowers had been delivered a large sum of money right before the assassination. James McCraw stated that Jowers had shown him a rifle a day after the shooting and told him it was the one used to kill King. And again, this was enough evidence for this to get... A verdict in a civil lawsuit. That's why there is not a, no criminal implications. Civil lawsuit, which means it was for money, but that doesn't. Which you know, it's like O.J. Simpson. He lost, like he was proven innocent in his murder trial, but then in the civil trial, he got fucking rang out because he killed him, and everyone fucking knew it, and they couldn't prove it. So they're like, all right, well, we'll just take literally everything from you. But this was enough to to win the case. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is not just scrub information. Now. 
Peppers, who went to gather this information before he brought it to the trial, said, We confronted Lloyd. We told him he was likely to be indicted if he didn't help us. If he didn't give us more information. Lloyd Jowers didn't know there was no way the grand jury was going to indict him. All he knew was what he did, what he participated in, and how much money he got for it. And he got quite a large sum of money. Built a taxi cab company with it. Had his gambling debt with local Dixie Mafia figure Liberto forgiven over it. Liberto, who was an associate of Louisiana crime boss Carlos Marcello, turned out to be involved in the assassination as well. He owned a produce warehouse, and one of his regular customers, John McFerrin, was making his weekly shopping trip when he overheard Liberto shout into the phone for an hour before the shooting, Shoot the son of a bitch on the balcony! Nathan Whitlock and his mother, Lavetta Addison Whitlock, who owned a restaurant frequented by Liberto, stated that Liberto had told them he was responsible for the King murder, which all makes sense to me because that's how these type of people are, especially back then. You couldn't have had Facebook then. People would have been bragging about it. They didn't yeah. understand how word travels. And also hearsay would get you nowhere as a fucking rich white gangster in Louisiana in the 1960s. One thing that a lot of people don't know is that Earl Ray, the shooter, was uh, the pinch, or the patsy, I guess I should say, was in prison in 1967, the year before the assassination, supposed to be serving a 20-year sentence for a grocery store robbery in 1959. After a couple of unsuccessful escape attempts, Ray succeeded in breaking out of prison on April 23, 1967. Unknown to Ray was the fact that the escape had been orchestrated because he had already been chosen as the patsy in the planned assassination of King, which was still a year away. The warden of the Missouri State Penitentiary was paid $25,000 by Russell Atkins Sr. to allow the escape, and this was confirmed by Ron Atkins, his son. The money was delivered to Atkins by Tolson, and it was this same connection that would later be used to finance the assassination of King. After his escape from prison, Ray went to Chicago for a few weeks where he got a job, but worried about getting caught, so he went to Canada. In Montreal, he changed his name to Eric S. Galt. His intention was to get a passport under this false name and travel to a country where he could not be extradited back to the United States. At the Neptune Bar in the Montreal Dock area in August of 1967, Ray met a mysterious figure who identified himself as Raoul. Raoul asked Ray to help him with a smuggling scheme, and Ray agreed. In the months ahead, Ray would do a number of jobs, including gun running for Raoul, for which he was paid months ahead. Given a car, and every time he had to wait to be contacted by Raoul, who Ray said coordinated all of his activities right up until the day of the assassination. At one point, Ray was instructed to purchase a deer rifle with a scope although Raul was not satisfied with the one he bought and made him exchange it for another. Ray was instructed to go to Memphis, where he arrived April 3, 1968, and upon meeting with Raul in his hotel, was given the name of Jim's Grill, where the two were to meet at 3 p.m. the next day. He also handed the rifle over to Raul and maintained the entire time that he was being spoken to that he never saw it again. Ray did rent a room at the rooming house above Jim's Grill, and the two did meet the day of the assassination as planned. 
But about an hour before the shooting, which remember was at 6 o'clock, not 3 o'clock, he was given money to go to the movies. But first, he tried to have a tire repaired because Raul said he wanted to use the car. When Ray heard the sirens following the shooting, he got scared and left the area, fearing that he had been set up. He left the country and ended up in England, which is where he was captured on June 8th, 1968 at London's Heathrow Airport as he was trying to leave the UK. Once charged with the crime of murdering Dr. King, Ray was pressured by his second lawyer, Percy Foreman, to plead guilty on the grounds that the evidence against him was too strong and Foreman was not in good health that he couldn't offer a strong defense. What type of fucking lawyer says that? No, oh, man, yeah. Foreman was sent in with the purpose of replacing the original lawyers. He offered Ray $500 to get another lawyer if he pled guilty and put it in writing, and they still had the note. Ray would regret accepting his offer for the rest of his life. He tried unsuccessfully to rescind the guilty plea and get a trial for the next 30 years, finally dying of cancer in prison in 1998. It was 10 years after the assassination before the attorney Pepper would meet with Ray. He took for granted at first that Ray was the assassin, but he it was encouraged to meet him by a guy named Reverend Ralph Abernathy, who had succeeded King as president of the SCLC. Abernathy remained unsatisfied with the official account of the shooting and tried to get it investigated. So in the book that uh, Pepper wrote, he describes his first meeting with Ray in 1978 and how quickly he came to believe that Ray had not been the shooter and that the case was essentially still unsolved. And it wasn't until 1988 that Pepper became certain that Ray had not played any knowing part in conspiracy and that he agreed to represent him, which he did until his death. Think about that. Again, I'm only telling you this shit because the guy who represented the King family also represented the fucking shooter, James Earl Ray. Yeah. Spicy. But doesn't that fucking send some signals to you? Yeah. Like, convincing enough that the man who loved Martin Luther King enough to dedicate essentially the rest of his fucking life to figuring out what happened, to find out the truth, that did find out the truth in the eyes of the government, knew the guy was a fucking patsy. Yeah. And represented him equally to the King family. Even though the guy was a scumbag. He was a criminal. He was doing crime. Yeah. And they set him up. But that's also... That is also 60 CIA MO. Look at Barry Seals. Yeah. That's what they do. They find somebody who's willing to do illegal activities and gradually put them into a situation that they cannot get out of. Well, Oswald, you know, prime example too. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, all, everybody, everybody that's had a public account of dealing with government officials that are off the record, and if you hear what they're saying, people are like, oh, they're fucking just crazy. They know that that's going to happen. Yeah. They orchestrate it like that. They make it seem like you're an unhinged criminal with no sense that anybody could talk you into anything. But especially in this case, they made up a false life for him. Yeah. They gave him a point person. That was probably a CIA handler. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Remember that shooting that happened on a military base? I mean, shit, maybe six years ago. The dude jumped was it over. Fort Worth? Maybe. But then they they found that gun and it was like 
this is my ELF weapon. Alex Jones was like, transfer extremely low frequency. That's part of the MK Ultra. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like that's it's kind of crazy how the, the, these mass shootings are a trend like that now. You know, where there's some kind of like weird fucking tie-in with either sex or <laughs> butts or fucking extremely low frequencies. Maybe the way you said that, you're like, there's some tie-in with. Sex. <laughs> Once again, all targets linked back to sticky sex. <laughs> Control their minds with sex. Let's remake the Dragnet movie. <laughs> the night of January 14th, 1997, there he was engaged in sex. <laughs> all things have been determined as... Oh shit! <laughs> what was that town we used to drive through in Missouri? Where you Carothersville? Oh yeah, you're like it, it happened in Carothersville. <laughs> that shit used to crack me up. Boy. That's where that fucking uh, Carothersville. That's where that one uh, buffet we was talking about the other week with a Down syndrome person. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. That's where like Lambert's is, dude. I thought it was Carothersville because it's an Amish community. Is it? Yeah. All right. I mean, I'll believe you. I thought that Amish shit was in, like, Ohio or something. Yeah, they're, like, Illinois. And we just went so many fucking places, dude. Yeah, dude. Anyway. Lambert's got it, too. Not to detract. Dude, Lambert's did fucking get it. I think that we we have passed, what is it, the uh, statute of limitations for this? Yeah. If you ever heard of Lambert's Home of the Throne Rolls? Yeah. Where you, you, like, go in and you order these giant meals and they throw fucking rolls at you and they keep coming around with fried sides. People love it. It's just fucking... Middle of America, salt of the earth, fat people bullshit. Yeah. It's an institution. I mean, it's fucking renowned in our community. But yeah, several times, multiple locations. We've gone in, sat down, enjoyed a hearty meal, and just scooted the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) And every time you do it, it's just funnier and funnier, man. (laughs) It's like, dude, I got the money to pay. But the type of setup they have is they have like a gift shop they want you to go to to like pick out souvenirs. I mean, dude, if you're going to buy a fucking t-shirt from some fat fucking restaurant to signify, yeah, I went here. Yeah. That's what happens when you peddle merchandise like that. Uh, you're you're basically a diabetes fucking pusher. It's pretty much like a fucking real big fucking Cracker Barrel with a bunch of teenage kids walking around going, you want some fried taters? You want yeah. some okra and tomatoes? Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're taking them down for the, for the healthy man. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you can't keep pushing diabetes on the youth yeah. of America like this. Fuck that shit. I'm paying. Not paying. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking you down from the inside. This is a coup. Hope we get a holiday. <laughs> oh man, that would rock, dude. <laughs> we gotta just we gotta do better. If you if you talk into the microphone, that's a good first step. The boys. <laughs> <laughs> now a lot of people who purvey the official story of the assassination have claimed that Raul was an invention of uh James Earl Ray's. Mainstream media accounts refer to this question as still unanswered, even though in the trial that happened in 1999, they found witnesses who described their connections to Raul, and he found Raul himself with the help of a witness named Glenda Grabo. Uh, Raul's last name was Calejo, and she, I, I, she, Glenda had identified Raul as someone who had been known in Houston in 1963 and who around 1974, in a fit of rage, had implicated himself in King's assassination right before raping her. Which, that adds up, right? Oh, yes. It was like, bitch, I killed Martin Luther King, and I'm fucking you. Sure. <laughs> Grabo also identified Jack Ruby. 
Boom, boom, boom. As someone she had seen with Raul in 1963. This fascinating story is recounted in both Act of the State, an entirely different book, and then uh, Pepper's book, The Plot to Kill King. Act of State, I can't remember who wrote that, but that's uh, that's a JFK. Yeah. One of those one of those JFK books that made really made people go, hmm. Yeah. Well, the government's on the fuck around. Front stop, hold the presses. The government on the fuck around again. Hot off the flash right here. Get them first. 25 cents. This paper will tell you right here. Government once again found to be on the fuck around. That's kind of how everybody Lambert talks to yeah. you, too. Ew, what's the fucking rolls? Have some fried okra, potatoes, tomatoes, black eyed peas. black eyed peas. You got a paper nap? You want some black eyed peas? All you fat fuck? You want to get big? How many chicken fried steak? Chicken fried steak with one big old side of the government fuck. Around, fucked around again, 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 again. He pick, pick, pick. The dinner bell. <laughs> God damn, dude. I'm sorry, fat people, but I would love, love, love to just put on a big old fucking fish fry, dude, in like a basement, like a basement of a church. I'm talking good ass food. Everyone will be stoked to eat it. I yeah. it'll be the fucking best. And everyone's just outside. We got unlimited cakes of beer. Everyone's socializing, having a great time. Probably, probably about 50 big people. With enough food for everybody. And then as soon as I get the food, then I just go outside and go, big, 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 Hell yeah. You're over three. Your meal is free. We got to weigh everybody for the game. Yeah, yeah. We got to weigh them first. That's what we, we put the cakes of beer out and weigh them when they're around the cakes of beer. And if they're under three, they got to go, man. If they're, if they're like 295, we could let them eat that five pounds before they come in. My grandma would ring a dinner bell, man. I mean, shit. <laughs> Like the triangle thing? Yeah, dude. No, no, It was like a school bell thing, man. <laughs> yeah. She didn't fucking... It was like, she didn't want to come back to get me. Yeah. She didn't, she, I was a teenager. She knew what I was up to. A jacket Jacking and a smack. Jacking woods and, or something? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you just get a fucking... Ring, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> well, you're fucking jacking off, and you got some fucking Salisbury waiting come for you upstairs. Sweatpants, just dripping <laughs> fucking sweat. Yeah, I got like that one. Woo like, boy, woo pig, chow chow, chow chow, chow chow. I woo, big, 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 big. Pigtail curl <laughs> coming out fun, of my... dude. I would love to be a farmer. Yeah. I would love to just farm fat people, dude. <laughs> just wake up in the morning. We're going to slop these hogs up. <laughs> They're downstairs watching fucking daytime TV. Judge Judy and shit. Like, that bitch is guilty. I'm like, here's your slop pigs. You want to change your name to Margaret? <laughs> I'll be, I'm, I'll be a gender fluid. Marjorie Baxter. <laughs> yeah, so again, man, just mind blowing. And it, it, you know, that that seems like a crazy angle, but again, I I think that this guy Raul Kaleo is a fucking CIA agent. Yeah. Now, one of the most intriguing things to come out of these two separate books is a young FBI agent named Don Wilson who after the assassination was sent to check out a white Mustang with Alabama plates, which of course Ray had driven a white Mustang. And that it had been abandoned, and that was thought to be connected to the assassination. Wilson opened the car door, and some papers fell out. He examined them later, found a tore-out piece of a 1963 Dallas, Texas phone directory. Written on the page was the name Raul, the initial J, and a phone number, which turned out to be that of a Las Vegas nightclub run by Jack Ruby. 
the man, of course, who shot Lee Harvey Oswald in the basement of the Dallas police station. A second piece of paper had a list of names with amounts of money besides each. Wilson decided to hold on to this evidence, fearing it would disappear forever if he turned it in. Yeah, of course. He held on to it for 29 years before making it available to Pepper and the King family, and he brought that to trial last year in Memphis, Tennessee. Damn. Man, we got to figure out when the fuck they're having another trial and go to that shit. They won. Why would they have another oh, one? Never mind. You yeah. fucking moron. I forgot, Just kidding. <laughs> oh, my bag. Uh. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> now, who do they think fired the shots? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> now, Pepper, looking into the case, learned the identity of the shooter from Lenny B. Curtis. Which sounds like a fucking uh, Johnny B. Good's cousin or some shit. He was a custodian <laughs> at the Memphis custodian at the Memphis Police Department rifle range, which is a pretty cool gig. You're just picking up shells all day and shit. And Curtis told Pepper in 2003 in a recorded deposition. Originally kept him confidential, and then after he died in 2013, he brought out his name. Of course, I had to be super careful about this because it still included active agents. Uh, Curtis told Pepper in the deposition that he heard Strausser say about King four or five months before the assassination that somebody was going to blow his motherfucking brains out. Woo, man. Look how that black dynamite is. <laughs> it's just the way you say it, man. Uh, he also described that Strausser had practiced in the rifle range with a particular rifle that had been brought in four or five days earlier by a member of the fire department. Brought in a rifle and left it there for the guy to use. Is that normal behavior? I think not. No, no, no. The fireman had shown the rifle to Curtis and asked, How would you like that scoundrel? Woo, that baby there. Something that shoots. When Curtis <laughs> <laughs> when Curtis said, It looks like any other rifle. He said, Uh-uh, no, this one's special. That baby is special. Lenny remembered that on the day of the assassination, Strasser spent the whole day practicing with it. And then Strasser had given several different accounts of where he was at the day that he was, the day that the shooting had happened. Uh, and that was, like I said earlier in the episode, Memphis police officer Frank Strasser, just a regular police officer, trained to make the shot, said that King was going to get his motherfucking Blaine's. Brains blowed out. Hell yeah. See, one thing I don't believe it. If it was really Memphis, they would have said he was going to get his ass blowed off. You're right. Mm hmm. Police are fitting to find you. We're about to blow his ass off. That's the way. Blow that ass off. That is, as a man who's listened to 3 Six Mafia and all affiliates for the last 20 years, yeah. I can confirm that's how they talk. And they're about to find your body. Yeah, damn. That's the greatest rap group. Yeah, dude. By leaps and bounds. Anyway. We'll just pretend he says he's going to blow his ass off. But yeah, if a, fire, a guy from the fire department brought him a special rifle, left it there, that's not how the world works. Man, this is crazy. Yeah, so Curtis, after that happened, was followed and intimidated by Strausser. And what Liddy said is that he subsequently became aware of strange things that were happening around him, like his the gas in his house was turned on once when he was about to enter his house. He lit a cigarette but as he opened the door, he smelled gas, quickly put out the cigarette. A strange Lincoln was occasionally parked across the street from his apartment house. He was scared. Damn. 
One morning when the car was there, he got into his car and drove off quickly just to see if the car would follow him. Of course it did. It pulled out and followed him. He saw the driver, and he noticed that the driver was none other than Frank Strausser. And Pepper, investigating the case, set himself up to meet Strausser. He describes him as a committed and devoted racist. He said he had no respect for black people at all. He wasn't explicit about his racism, but he was not sympathetic to what Martin Luther King was all about. Shit. Pepper tried to get him to admit to it, lied to him, and told him he had been implicated in the killing by Lloyd Jowers, who was the restaurant guy. Strauss didn't take the bait. Pepper also told Strausser the footprints found in the bushes of the studio were size 13 shoes, which they were, and asked about the size of his feet. He said he had a bit of a grin on his face, and he said 13 large. What the fuck does that mean? 20 weight. It's like a wide shoe? Yeah. Or something? Large? You the wear a large? Shoes? Oh, dress shoe. Okay. Like a wide toe? Because I would never wear a fucking dress shoe. Fuck, so I, I have no idea pair. how that works. I got an up hair that I never wear, but I always do this. Yeah. It just sounded like a chair move, but I knew what it was. Yeah. But it's not good. Damn. My fart smells so bad, dude. Damn. I don't think there's any way Let to. Let me tell you what. <laughs> the beginning of the episode, that fucking real high tooting horn that you had was wild. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that got picked up on Mike. Oh, it did, man. <laughs> it got picked the fuck up. Now, here's the deal. and Here's the reason why, essentially, that uh, this was, again, brought before. This is the argument in court on why King was assassinated. Not only was he hated by the establishment as he rose to prominence in the 1960s, he was feared. I mean, he had the ability to move large numbers of people with his message of peace and tolerance. And he had designs on a political career. I mean, this motherfucker probably would have been the first black president. Yeah. I mean, he was impossible to ignore. King was planning on running for president on a third-party ticket with fellow anti-war activist Dr. Benjamin Spock the next election cycle. He was also causing panic in powerful circles because they intended to bring hundreds of thousands of poor people to an encampment in Washington, D.C. in the spring of 1968 to show the plight of the poor. And by they, I mean that's what Dr. King and, and Dr. Spock were planning on doing. To round up homeless people, drop them off, like take not drop them off, but take them to and point out the fucking problem. Dr. Spock also wrote a book about why you shouldn't uh, spank your children. And my grandpa fucking hated him. <laughs> I mean, you already know some things about your grandpa, some hard truths. <laughs> yeah, my about the way he felt about the world. Yeah, he did. And then he was like, your grandma don't like spankings because that Dr. Spock. <laughs> but I'm whooping your ass anyway. <laughs> yeah, he called him a fag. And I was like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> At least he didn't call him something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now. Washington was terrified that the anger level, when the demonstrators got there, they were not going to get what they wanted, and they would rise to such a power point where Martin Luther King would lose control of the group, and the more radical parties in the group would take it over, and they would have a revolution. Washington did not have the troops to quelch the revolution in the middle of the capital. The army was really afraid of that, and I think that that's probably a fair thing to be afraid of. Yeah. And it's a pretty good fucking idea, to be honest with you. But he would, but they, I mean, the thing is, is that King wouldn't have brought him there to be violent. That's the opposite of his message. Yeah. But yeah, sure, there could have been some actors in the group 
Provocateurs. Provocateurs that riled them up and got them in motion. That's the other thing. This shit in America, the time period, I mean, people were, the the, uh, stereotype of white people were, you know, they'll steal shit from you. They don't work and they're fucking mean. They'll rape everybody. And so, like, the public was afraid of that. And the media definitely played on a lot of this shit. And the government helped it, but you know it was like the the real fear was that if he ever did get into power, then like made people realize which they I, they did years later. You know, it was like the shit he was trying to do was, you know, basically forwarding our country into something that's not a bunch of fucking assholes and trying to do better and make everybody happy. Yeah. I mean, he was a he was a yeah. democratic socialist. Yeah, the same thing Bernie Sanders was not a socialist, not the same thing at all. He believed that everyone should have their own voice, their own identity. However. Everyone deserved the basic rights. Yeah. Food, shelter, health care, education. That's not an insane radical no, point of view. Man. That's regular humanity. And of course King posed an increasing threat to the political establishment because he was becoming much more vocal in his opposition to the Vietnam War. He had been influenced by an article and photos called The Children of Vietnam, which was published in Ramparts magazine January of nineteen sixty seven and later reprinted in Look magazine. Hmm. King, that is, of course. And then beyond King's importance as a powerful force for justice, peace, and equality, he was a good friend to everybody. Everyone loved him. They had massive amounts of respect for him. And that is, uh, you know, again, like, look, you can look, and I, again, I'm, I don't want to get, like, political and shit because I don't know enough, and I also... Enough, enough about Bernie Sanders, but I do know from watching a few things that the way that they treat Bernie, I mean, that no one really has a negative thing to say about Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Not his personality, his policy, sure, but as a human being, he seems to be an upstanding motherfucker. But a lot of, t- a lot of the uh, shit you hear about uh, socialist shit, remember when he first ran, it was like, everybody was like, socialist? Yeah. That's some commie shit. And it's like God. democratic socialism. Yes. The, we look the, into it's it. It's got the know? word democratic in it, you fucking morons. But the, the media still plays people. And like, like you know, it's just it's well, crazy. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is, is like nowadays, if King was around, they could do the same type of shit to him. They could use social media, television, radio, all the outlets to attack not his personal character or even his personal character. I mean, you can be show you can most people can be made to think a certain way. Yeah, by attack campaigns, and they do that shit to Bernie. Now, whether Bernie rocks or not, I, I again, I don't fucking know, but I do know that he gets portrayed to be shit. That he's not like last week when that fucking Elizabeth Warren lady was like, "I was he Bernie called me and said, first of all, a woman could never be president." Now that's a phone call I would make a hundred percent. Now, it's been far too long that ninety nine percent of women believe that they could do anything. And the fact of the matter is they cannot do anything besides lay there and get fucked in the ass. Crazy. But no, Bernie, he didn't say shit. And, and uh, in the debates the other night, I, ju- I didn't watch the debates because I don't fucking care to reiterate. But I did see this crazy fucking clip where the moderator asked Bernie, like, did you call Elizabeth Warren and tell her that a woman could ever be president? He said, no, absolutely not. I never said anything like that. And then I saw clips in the 1980s where Bernie, someone asked Bernie what he thought about a woman president. And he said that would probably be the best thing for the country. Yeah. He would love it. 
We need change. Yeah. We need to be a more progressive place. That's the shit that Bernie was saying in the fucking 80s. Yeah. And then he said he never said it. The very next question that the moderator asked was to Elizabeth Warren. She just asked Bernie if he said it. He said no. Then she asked Elizabeth Warren, how did you feel when Bernie told you that a woman could never be president? Are you fucking kidding me? It's a fucking smear campaign. They do this shit all the time. They're trying it with Martin Luther King, but they couldn't do it. Yeah. It's impossible. This is what I'm saying. He's too good of a person. Yeah. He's too powerful. He's too likable. His track record's too good. Even if he was getting his dick sucked all the time, like I said, how could you not? You owe him. He's the best. He was the best person of the fucking age. And he was a he was going out of his way. He believed in everyone, everything, white, black, red. It didn't matter to him. He was the person living that lifestyle on camera, in front of everybody, and he was an amazing speaker. People yeah. wanted to hear him. People came to hear him, religious, non-religious, poor, rich. He was captivating. Yeah. And he wasn't captivating because he had some mad. He wasn't Hitler. He didn't just have the power of speech. He was a fucking good person. You can feel that from people. Yeah. You know when someone is a righteous person, and he was that, and they couldn't fucking do anything about it, so they killed his ass. That's, a, that's about what you have to do. Because as far as conspiracy theories go, dude, like there's so many wild ones. Do I think that reptiles control the world? No. Do I think Sandy Hook was a fucking operation? No. But do I think that a small group of people run the world? Fuck yes. Yeah. And if you try to tell me that that's not true, fuck you. We, we, it's in the open now. It's regular knowledge. Any, if you turn on any news network right now, within an hour, they're going to say something about Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. This guy is a fucking intelligence agent who got people to have sex with children in order to blackmail them. It's as simple as that. And they fucking killed him for it. And we all watched it. I mean, it's the, it, it, it's not a secret anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. This is how the world works. Crazy it took this long. But it didn't. Yeah. I mean, it everybody took this knew, long to break then, because of the internet. Yeah. You can't not. It, it, it's too, you can send information out too easily now. And it, like, again, Alex, <laughs> the people were saying this shit 20 years ago. Yeah. Jeffrey Epstein, he's an intelligence agent. He's tra sex trafficking children and killing them and off to politicians to get them on videotape. It's happening right before our very eyes. I have the documents. It did fucking happen. That's what's so crazy. It yeah. happened. It's the reality. That's yeah, the way it works. There's a fucking elite group of people, the same group of people, and they're running the fucking world. It's so crazy because you never want to side with somebody who... He talks like Alex Jones. No, you don't want to. Like, I don't want to. I honestly don't want to side with anybody. But yeah. I'm just saying, it's holy, and I mean completely a billion percent believe this happened. They killed his ass. Yeah, because he didn't go in line with them. He wasn't one of them. You in the 1960s, you could not have black people thinking for themselves. They were dangerous for the government. It's rich white men. That's who's in charge. And if you have somebody show differently, if you have so, if because the thing is, is that he was waking white people up. They're like, this is a wonderful person. Yeah. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And they can't have that. So they fucking murdered I'm, him. Yeah, some boy, I know we'll probably tackle the JFK thing, but the Jack Ruby and Patton Oswalt connection thing is one of the most mind blowing yeah. fucking things too. Yeah, it, what's mind blowing to me is how so many people think Patton Oswalt's funny. It's <laughs> truly a fucking. <laughs> Really makes my brain go, why? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You, everyone likes terrible shit. Anyway, point being, I want to do JFK. It's just, that's a hard one, man. Oh, so yeah. much. That's a long one. And this one's a lot. And I. that's why, I mean, there's a million other theories. I took the specific way 
again, this is William Pepper's. I mean, I've got most of it from his books, um, and and like the Cliff Notes, like just compiled a few different articles in his Cliff Notes. And like I'm saying, man, th- th- this is a guy who uh, has an outstanding record. He's a pro bono lawyer. He won this case for the King family. He's got nothing to. He, he's not trying to get attention. He is friends with Dr. Martin Luther King. He are, who is independently wealthy. He doesn't need more money. Didn't want his name out there. Did this shit for a righteous cause. If you get killed, I'll be the. I'll, I'll go and. I want to die. I'll be. I'll, Do it. I'll make sure that somebody execute. If they kill you, yeah, I'll fight for you in court. Don't. And I'll win. <laughs> I, I, I wanted it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was uh, the Martin Luther King episode. I uh, I just hate thinking about it. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been going on for forever. It's still going on. I, I mean, they got away with Epstein, dude. Nothing happened. Yeah. What are we fucking talking about here, folks? Let's take it over. <laughs> Into the streets with your weapons. Act now. We were like, oh, God, Alex Jones is telling people to. No, I am. Kill the cops. <laughs> well, here on Death Row Kill Dicks. the police. <laughs> no, no, no. no. But listen, guys, no one's. You, you have to go kill a police officer. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, listen to this piece of shit. Here on Death Row Dicks, we take a song and compare it to this. And since I just found out what the fuck we were doing right when we started, I'm just going to pick Weekend Nacho Shot in the Head. Okay. Damn, what a terrible band. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> uh, if you want to, you know, a big favor you could do to us. And look, man, I don't fucking ear beat you up top. I don't ear beat you in the middle. I don't stop the middle of the story to try to plug shit. Get on YouTube and just watch the Senga Sugabog video. It's hilarious. You're not going to be mad about it. But uh, yeah, we're just trying to get our fucking name out, dude. We've changed our name to Detectives. We've done yeah. it all. We're really trying to make a run out of here. And uh, if you're a loyal listener, first of all, thank you. We love you. Some of the episodes we wild out too much. This is the nature of the game. We do a lot of episodes. But uh, try to bounce, fucking hunker down on this one and get you the facts. Yep. And uh, if you want to, we don't need any thanks. Thank you for listening. But yeah, we're just on that word of mouth shit. So social media, like the pages, interact with us. That's how you can help us. We do love you for any of that. uh, I guess I'm going to watch a gross fucking porn for Jacket Interacting. That's great. (laughs) We'll see you guys next time. R.I.P. MLK Jr. Yep. Don't jack off to him. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I like the